What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Ascension Sports Podcast. This is your host, Fred Cannon, owner and creator of Ascension Sports Consulting, also the director of basketball operations at Rise Indoor Sports, located at 419 Twins Way, Advance, North Carolina, right outside of Winston-Salem, one of the top sports facilities in the state of North Carolina, absolutely, and probably going to battle for one of the most... uh, proactive sports complexes in the southeast for sure it's been a while since i've been with you guys there's a lot going on personally got got twin identical twin girls coming in in august sold my my house and currently waiting on my new house to finish construction so it's been a lot of blessings in my life over the last six months and uh obviously this is one of my favorite times of the year dealing with the transfer portal and and recruiting and all that good stuff. So I definitely want to give you guys an update on that. Um, currently helping Joy Baker, uh, grad transfer from Duke basketball. Obviously, Joy played for us at uh, Team Felton from seventh to eighth grade all the way through. Uh, phenomenal talent. Didn't get a chance to really show all that he could do at Duke. Kind of got pigeonholed as a spot of shooter. Uh, so he's he's definitely looking for a place that's going to allow him to fully showcase his game at a you know. You know, show all the facets of his game uh, and then obviously of course get on the court so we want to make sure that we get this done right on this second go round. so we're excited about that uh, Ricky Council another former team Felton player he's now at Arkansas was previously at Wichita State where he was uh, sixth man of the year this, this past season Ricky's going to a loaded program uh, Coach Musselman has done a phenomenal job using the transfer portal and high school to fill that roster out for this year. So I'm excited to kind of see what style of play they have. If they keep the same up-tempo offense, high-pressure defense, it, there's going to be a lot of highlights coming from that group. And hopefully it equates to another Elite Eight, Final Four championship run for, for one of my guys. That would be super cool. Um, and so many others. Jackson Gammons, uh, former team Felton players, went from Citadel as a grad transfer. He's at Anderson University. Uh, he's going to have a big time career there. Isaiah Bigelow, grad transfer from Wofford, uh, is now at Richmond University. Isaiah's grown probably three inches since being in college. And even though he's graduated, he still has two years left as well of eligibility. Uh, Jalen Ganey, another team Felton product, uh, grad transfer from Brown University. He's now with Florida State. He's going to be a big time defensive presence in the ACC. And uh, I mean, we've we've had a lot of kids, uh, you know, excel in the classroom and now get the opportunity to go sell on a higher level. Uh, Here at Ascension Sports, we've had a lot of success with our transfers. If you look at Longwood University, who was recently D2, uh, now D1 in the Big South, they they won the conference this year, regular season and conference championship. We had a Central Sports family, uh, Jordan Perkins, transfer from North Carolina Central, Deshaun Wade, transfer from East Carolina University, and uh, Isaiah Wilkins, transfer from Wake Forest, all on on that team, and they all played a very important role in that run. Uh, so definitely love to see that happen for those guys. Like I said, Adis Tony transferred from Pittsburgh, went to Arkansas, and made another lead run, lead eight run, you know, final four run. And uh, he's now doing his uh, NBA pre-draft 
stuff now, which I'm also helping with. Shout out to the guys from the family. Um, that's that's the agency he signed with. And uh, Jeff McGinnis, he's doing a phenomenal job getting him ready for what the NBA is going to look like. We've been training for quite some time now. It's uh, D. Tony, Malachi Brandon from Ohio State. Uh, Jalen Sims, who's a, I think is a definitely a sleeper player, big guard from UNC Wilmington, one of Jeff's guys from Team Charlotte, who he, he always does a phenomenal job with. Uh, those guys have been training for a while, and we had you know a couple of guys coming in to get those guys battle tested. So and we're excited to see what those guys end up at. Um, and going through that process has taught me a lot of what NBA personnel is looking at as opposed to what college coaches look at and then learning who actually has good intel on where kids are and aren't on the draft board uh, and what that pro prospects looks like. So I've been learning a lot over the last three to four months. Um, you know, we got a, a lot of Ascension family. We got a, the guys from Duke, Trevor Kills and Wendell Moore, who will be in this year's draft. Um, we had a chance to work with both of those guys, along with Jeremy Roach and Joy Baker on some NIL stuff this year. So we wishing all of those guys success and what they're doing. And uh, if you get a chance to go to AscensionSportsConsulting.com and you can see the full list of all the the ladies and gents that we were able to help, you know, not just this year, but, you know, throughout our history as a company. And uh, we only got a handful of uh, prospects left to get placed. Uh, Dre Fuller is a grad transfer from UCF, 6'5", 6'6", wing. Um, he'll be probably making a decision here soon. And uh, have Cam Edwards, who's a 6'5", 6'6", lights out shooter. Uh, Neo Juco down in Northeast Oklahoma. He's graduated as well. He's going through his options. He he has the opportunity to return back uh, to Neo if he wants to. He does have some offers on the table. So he'll he'll go through and kind of make the best decision for him on that. And then I have Luke Murphy. He's a 6'1 combo guard out of SoCal Academy. He's the younger brother of Ryan Murphy, who was also an Ascension Sports client, who uh, did very well at Pittsburgh. Luke can, I mean, it runs in the family. He can flat out shoot the basketball as well and score with the best of them. So we're interested to see where he's going to end up. And uh, like I said, we're just going to continue to follow this portal and see see where it takes us. Um, I had posted on Twitter that I wanted to do a podcast just to kind of address the, the state of travel basketball. And I'm speaking more specifically to North Carolina because – Obviously, with me being at Rising Door, I see AAU tournaments or travel basketball tournaments every every weekend, pretty much since beginning of March, and we won't end until the end of July or mid August. And it's concerning because the parents are crazier, the kids are less talented, less committed to the process of actually becoming a good basketball player. And to see the abuse that the officials receive every weekend, the lack of knowledge from a lot of the coaches that are coaching, and I'm not saying they have to be uh, Phil Jackson or whoever you, you equate to with coaching, but the management of the players, I think, is deficient. Um, I think the amount of or the lack of honesty from the players 
as it relates to what that future prospects looks like as a basketball player. I think that's concerning. The lack of veteran leadership around the state is 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 concerning as well. And what I mean by that is you, you there used to be some guys that had been in this game and kind of set the precedent uh, around our state. They kind of kept things uh, kind of kept the pecking order kind of in place. And when I say that, it's kind of they if you were a new coach, you were going if you were going to survive, you kind of was getting tutelage from one of those guys. I mean, just for instance, like, um, you know, Dwayne West, you know, and those guys, they, they've been around this for a long time. I'm not sure exactly when Garner Road was established, but if I had to guess, it had to be early to mid 80s. So, you know, they kind of had like a, a blueprint in place. Um, at least when I started and there were more, I mean, you had like organizations like the, the Royals and uh, the Sonics and some other people, but like as, as time goes on, programs come and go, but you always had some veteran leaderships in the different pockets of North Carolina and the Greensboro, Raleigh, Charlotte area. Um, and things have definitely picked up out East, uh, to where those guys aren't traveling all the way into the central part of the state in order to be, you know, seen or received exposure but I think parents need to kind of fall back and reassess what travel ball is because it's accessible to everybody now it doesn't matter if you can run and shoot gum at all shoot pass or dribble there's a team out there that will take you and you play in the same tournaments with teams that actually have prospects on it and the expectations is my son is going to go to school where those kids go and it's just not true. Um, I've been learning from a business standpoint, obviously working with a facility now as opposed to running just my organization independently. And the money that comes in from bad basketball, I mean, people know it's a lot, but to actually see what those figures look like, it's not going anywhere and it's not going to self-correct um, because nobody wants to cut kids because it's an opportunity to make a lot of money from an organizer standpoint a facility standpoint, an organization standpoint, depending on what they use the funds for, for those kids. Um, I also would bring trainers into this as well. There's a lot of training going on and the kids are learning all these moves and have no clue when or where or how to use them in the games. Um, or they're being taught NBA moves that don't translate to the offense that they're running in high school or their current age groups in AAU. Um, defensive principles are very lacking. So it's just a cause for a lot of concern. And I think a lot of it is just because everybody wants this microwave process of being college ready, getting these offers, getting this mixtape, everything but one winning and two getting better and addressing the weaknesses of the player. Coaches aren't taking time to become better coaches. Um, there's a lot of ego involved, which has always been there, but I know a lot of the guys that I was competing against, I, I would see them at the different coaches' clinics. I would see them taking opportunities to get better when the opportunities presented itself. Um, I saw coaches speaking with college coaches so they could get feedback for the kids or get the kids looked at. I think people have gotten a lot lazier now 
everything's going straight to social media just because you post game film or highlight tape on twitter doesn't mean college coaches are saying that those coaches aren't following you they're not seeing that video that you're putting up or that you paid for so I know a lot of people, I have a lot of questions from parents that say, well, I post the videos just like, you know, I do for the clients that I have. The difference is I have a relationship with a lot of college coaches in order for them to see that video. And a lot of my work is done behind the scenes or, you know, straight to straight to the coach's phone or wherever that, that process of receiving that video or recruiting information. So I'm able to get a lot of insight that most people aren't just because I have personal relations that was built up over my 20 some years of, you know, of, of doing AAU. So I think coaches need to go back to the basis of making sure that they're prepared for these moments, as well as making sure that their kids are developing in some form or fashion and that they have a basic foundation of basketball skills that's going to translate to the current level that they're currently playing at as opposed to skipping ahead to what potentially could be on the table for those kids as far as college or professional basketball looks but like as parents i get that you're paying you're paying money you know you're gonna get you're gonna pay for parking you're gonna pay for the tournament entries you're gonna pay for that 12 dollars chicken sandwich or whatever's been because you know served at concessions you're paying four dollars for the gatorade and it is a lot of money and that's a legitimate gripe but a lot of parents are paying that just to say my baby plays aau basketball the parents don't want to be honest with the kids because the parents don't want to give up on the dream of my kid making it to college and being able to post that on Facebook or whatever the case may be. And social media has become the new refrigerator. And when I say that is whenever I was younger and I made good grades or whatever, you know, you had a newspaper article about what you had done for that week or whatever the case may be, it went on the refrigerator. I think people want more content to go in the refrigerator and that refrigerator is now on social media. My baby scored 20. He was player of the game. He was MVP. This is his mixtape. And even though they technically didn't earn those accolades, they paid for them. You can pay for a mixtape. For all intents and purposes, most of the tournament organizers I see now select the MVP from every team. No matter the team lost by 100 points, there's, there's there's a game MVP. And when people post a picture, they don't put the whole story. They just say, you know, my baby you know, was MVP of today's game. And that lures them into coming back and paying that same money the next weekend against the same teams in the same tournaments. And it's just a cycle that's not going to stop. I just ask parents to really take a step back. Look at your kid. Look at the money that you're spending. If you have the money to just allow your kids to enjoy this process, then you know, go have fun with that. But you can't curse the referees out, yell at your volunteer coach because you're paying money and your son or daughter is not playing as much as you want them to. It still has to be a, a process of the best players are going to play. And just because you pay the money, that pays for the opportunities to come to those games or participate in those tournament entry fees or pay for the uniforms or the bags that you get, shooting shirts, it doesn't guarantee playing time. That pay-to-play mentality is so rampant right now uh, that I'm glad that I'm not in it 
anymore because that's not something that I agree with. That pay to play, I don't agree with fifth quarter. Uh, like any of that stuff to, to me is just sometimes you're not good enough. And if you're not good enough, you just need to work harder. If you really love this game and you want the opportunity to play, you need to work. But just because you pay your team fees doesn't mean that you get to make up for the lack of time that you put in the gym to prepare for this stage of your life on that basketball court. Just because you suddenly got an interest to play basketball as a ninth grader and you paid your team fees doesn't mean that you get to bypass the kid that's been putting in work in the basketball gym since second, third grade. They made a commitment to this game long before you did. And now you feel because of money, you're entitled to root the rewards of the kids who actually put the time in on the basketball court to get better and earn their playing time. And I think parents misconstrue when they say, hear coaches say practice time is earned. It's not earned just in the practice you had on that Tuesday. It's earned from the practice time you started putting in when you were seven, eight years old. Now you're 17 and I need you to be able to play. I don't trust you to be able to play at, at my level because you haven't put the work in over the span of their basketball career. So parents really do your due diligence to evaluate yourselves, evaluate your kids, stop cussing your kids out because he, he didn't perform as well or she didn't perform as well. And you know they haven't put in the work. And just because that you're embarrassed by the performance don't mean you could take it out on the referees or the coach. You have to self-reflect on where my kids prepared for this moment. Usually the answer is no. And you feel some type of guilt or embarrassment when it shows and doesn't play out the way that you planned on it. And instead of saying, man, I need to do better or I need to get my kids with a trainer or a different trainer or train more days, you automatically say the coach is cheating, the coach is full of politics or any of the excuses that I hear every weekend. And this game is not free. Uh, I hear a lot of parents saying, well, I don't know what my son got to pay. And all. you're not good enough for your son to be free. There's a time and a place for everything. And I'll be lying to you wholeheartedly if, if I told you every kid that's ever played for me had the same opportunities, treatments based on just the lay of the land the kids who were better the kids who brought more to the table had more opportunities um it's sort of like life and everybody doesn't have access to that if the team fees are a thousand dollars you need to pay the thousand dollars you knew that before you signed up to play for that team so don't commit to that team and then pay 150 dollars and think that's gonna be okay if your kid is good enough he'll get on a team that's sponsored and they'll take care of the expenses for for your son or whatever it is for your family. And, you know, you'll get exactly what you're looking for. But the kids that I'm watching every weekend, I haven't seen too many kids that deserve to be playing this game for free and to have a volunteer coach be yelled at it the way that they're getting yelled at in these tournaments um, or the scores table or the, or the referees. Uh, parents, you just you need to wake up on, on that. And you also need to understand that every tournament is not going to equate to a scholarship and understanding the difference between D1, D2, D3, and AI recruiting, JUCO recruiting, reclassing, postgrading. A lot of you are just making decisions out of desperation and hoping that it's going to work out for your son or daughter. 
to get a scholarship. It just doesn't work that way. There's a, a strategy behind it. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of evaluation. You just reclassing just to reclass. Your kid can reclass and be the exact same player he's been his whole life. It's not, it's not going to increase your odds of receiving that scholarship. If your son or daughter can't shoot past a dribble, you can reclass 13 times and you're still going to get the same results. And I think a lot of people are just hoping right now. Um, stop blaming the transfer portal. If your son can really play or your daughter can really play, those schools will still recruit high school kids. High school recruiting didn't stop. It just got it just got changed. It's no longer based on upside or uh, you know the possibility of them being good. Now it's can you help me win tomorrow? And most kids aren't able to help a college team win because they don't have the foundations to be a good basketball player yet. So stop coming up with the excuses. Stop blaming everybody else and take a real good look in the mirror about what the actual objective is for your son or daughter to participate in these spring and summer events. I think if you do that, you'll see the, the behavior at the events improve. I think you'll see the stress level in your household uh, go, you know, lower. And I think the experience will, the quality of the experience for your travel ball team and your kid will be better. I know this is probably falling on a lot of deaf ears right now, but parents can absolutely ruin this experience, not only for their kid, but the other parents on the team, the other kids on the team, and absolutely for the coach or the referees. And I can tell you right now, I don't care how good your kid is, if the referees decide that they didn't want to do this anymore, there wouldn't be any more travel basketball. If your AAU program or AAU coach decided they didn't want to do this anymore, you wouldn't have a team for your son to play on. And I hear a lot of parents saying, well, I need a real coach for my son. I need this. If you had a real coach, your son wouldn't be on the team because he's not good enough. And real coaches care about winning and losing. So that means they're going to play six or seven guys. They're not going to play 15 or 16. So just understand what you're asking for and what you're saying to people that have the experience and have the knowledge. You sound really, really foolish when you talk and you sound very entitled. You sound very unappreciative of the opportunities that these people are presenting for you. And I just think it's something that has to be addressed. People need to hear because being unappreciative is for somebody taking as much time as it takes to do summer basketball, uh, you know, it's just as a parent, you, you need to understand what you're saying and how that makes you look and the behavior and the patterns that you're setting for your kids. Um, I don't remember police officers being needed at AAU events seven, eight years ago. And now I'm seeing, you know, at our facility, we keep, you know, anywhere from two to six the officers on site just because you don't know what's going to happen so parents you play a big part in that and I'm sure there's some feedback on that you know the people say they had the reasons but at the end of the day there's no reason to fight at an AAU tournament there's no reason for you not to pay your parent fees there's no reason for you not to be committed to your team um, when I see kids playing on a different team every weekend a different high school every year I don't know. People have their own thoughts about it, but to me, I wouldn't trust it. And usually the patterns do correlate to college if they do get the chance to make it. 
the kid played in three or four high schools and i know people sounds like that's exaggerated but there's a lot of kids who played at three to four high schools and now with the way the rules are set up in college basketball they played in three or four colleges and it doesn't do the kid any good it doesn't do the program any good and all it does is prevent them from getting other opportunities in that basketball space outside of playing on the court people have to be able to trust you and they have to know that you're dedicated to something and to me is a big sign of selfishness it's a big sign of entitlement and obviously i'm sure there could always be some extenuating circumstances that could make something valid but i don't see that being extenuating circumstances three or four times at that point it's time to look in the mirror and say hey my son is not doing what he needs to do or my daughter is not doing what she needs to do or you're skipping some type of evaluation portion of the process before you choose a school that's uh making that process difficult for you to find the right situation to be productive so you know i just kind of wanted to get that rant off my chest i don't like being the old grouchy man uh saying what things used to be like and all of that but i'm hoping this helps some of the younger coaches or some of the newer programs to shape up their organizations and kind of make it so they're not just going to be here two or three years and then gone um if you put together a solid foundation there's a lot of room to grow right now uh, especially in the state of north carolina there's no true dominance of every level um i think programs need to begin having feeder programs again uh, i think that provides a a good foundation for your high school teams if you got multiple teams feeding into that especially that freshman class um a lot of teams don't like dealing with younger teens because the parents the younger the kids the crazy the parents and the least appreciative are the younger parents because they don't understand what fight they have going forward they just know they won this one day event or they you know we won all these gold medals but it's not going to translate to middle school middle school doesn't always translate to high school so to be a part of an organization that can help navigate you through that full spectrum is a blessing and uh i think the programs do have at least middle school and high school teams their programs are probably going to be stronger for longer um just recently just looking at the cp3 teams that are middle school moving into high school they set a good formula to be able to have success for you know the next three to five years based on the younger teams team nine has done a big push with that and i think that was a smart move by made hoops to be able to make that platform for the eybl teams because they're going to automatically start grabbing a lot of the top talent in middle school and be able to cultivate that um into you know good high school players it increases the chances of them doing that other programs who don't have existing high school programs or weaker high school programs you're going to lose your young kids to those nike teams because after seventh and eighth grade they're going to look at your high school teams and say i, I don't want to go there because you know they aren't going to school or the kids aren't productive at the high school team so that's a real opportunity right now for somebody to really take over the state of north carolina and i'm just waiting to see who that program is going to be so uh i think there's a lot of good teams in the different area uh age groups throughout you know regardless of circuit but eventually i think somebody that 
that'll be a program that just rises to the tops and kind of takes what they want and then everybody else will get what's available but uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing some real competitive ball. We have Phenom Hoops in here this weekend. This will be the last one for until the end of this month. And then we have the high school scholastic period coming up in a couple of weeks, which I'm really looking forward to and seeing all my college friends come through and kind of seeing them evaluate the high school players. So I definitely enjoyed, you know, working here and being able to see all the talent. I just wanted to share those nuggets with anybody who definitely had questions on what this travel ball is looking like and what the recruiting platform is looking like. It's changed, but it's still open. Just because you're in high school doesn't eliminate you from getting a scholarship. Not being good enough does. So take that to heart. It sounds harsh, but it's truthful. Uh, make sure that you do your due diligence. Choose the right program. Put your head down. Stop complaining. And, you know, put the work in. And, you know, the God-given will kick in. And if everything aligns, you'll be good to go. But I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen today. I missed you guys. I'm hoping to be able to become a little more uh, frequent with the episodes here now that the transfer portal is slowing up. It is a blessing to be here to talk to you guys and have the experiences to share with you all to hopefully make your platform bigger and better. Again, if you get a chance, check out the Ascension Sports Consulting website, www.ascensionsportsconsultant.com. Check us out on all, all social media. If you need help with game planning for your son or daughter's career, we provide consultation for that. If you're already getting recruited and you need help going through that process, we absolutely can help with that. NIL transfer portal, we got you. And coaching marketing, we got you. Until next episode, this is Fred Cannon, owner and creator of Ascension Sports. I appreciate you listening, and I'll see you next time. Keep ascending.